I've had a week's holiday. I might have forgotten how to preach, but I'll give it a go. <laughs> Do you want to stand up with me and we'll pray this one in because I think it's something significant going to happen this morning. Come on. Jesus. Lord, we choose right now to agree with you. We shake off our tiredness. We shake off our mindsets. And we say, Jesus, we invite you to speak to us. We open our hearts, we open our ears and say, Lord, have your way with me. Shift my attitude, shift my mindset. Help me to be a little bit more like you this morning, Jesus. And all God's people said, turn to two people and say, this is going to be good. I don't know if uh, you like titles, I quite like titles. I think sometimes titles grab someone's attention and the title today is, what if we were totally in love? And, um, you know, I felt on my week off as I was considering this morning that God was saying, let's get back to some real basics. There are so many concepts we can talk about. There's so many principles we can talk about. We can go in deep and we can go in shallow. All kinds of places to go. But sometimes just the most obvious and simple thing is the most profound. And I just felt like God said to me, let's talk about love. And I, I, I like confirmation. So this morning I got up and um, made breakfast, breakfast in bed for everyone like I do every morning because I'm that good. And um, just as I was waiting for the kettle to boil, flicked on my Facebook and flicked through and liked a few things like I do and love to check out what other churches are up to. And one of the churches that I follow, um, their title today, it says, uh, it was the Beatles song, All You Need Is Love. And they crossed off view and they put, All We Need Is Love. And I thought, thank you, Lord, we're on the right lines. So pastor is hearing correctly. Love's a powerful thing. You know that? Powerful thing. I think one of the issues we have as people today is that we just bring things down. When we say love, do we really mean love or do we mean like a lot? Do you know what I mean? Love is powerful. And the reality is we had um, four weddings last year, was it? Several weddings last year. And it's such a privilege to be involved in them days. And one of the things I was able to say in those environments was that we all have the ability to give and receive love, everyone. It doesn't matter where you were born, doesn't matter what nation you're from, doesn't matter what your economic status is, doesn't matter how intelligent you are, everyone has the ability to give and receive love. More than that, everyone wants to give and receive love because we were created with love in us. And so therefore there's that dynamic within everyone that we want to give something to someone, but we want to receive something from someone and it's important to us. So let's go on a little bit of a journey to unpack some of this stuff and just see if God might just stir us a little bit more to see if we might go a bit deeper with him. Who knows that when I clapped my eyes on Sarah 22 years ago that I didn't love her. When I clapped my eyes on Sarah, did I love her? No. Did I like what I saw? Oh, yes. Very much so. So I pursued her. And it's interesting, and I could tell you a million and one stories that might make you laugh or might make me or Sarah cringe. But it was really cool because um, uh, the first time I met Sarah, we arranged to go on a date the next day. And just as part of the conversation that night, we got talking about cars, and I was into my cars. And um, I said to Sarah, you know, if you could have any car in the world right now, what would it be? And she said, I'd have a Golf GTI convertible. Now, 22 years ago, that was quite a cool car. I mean, it's quite a cool car now, but it was a really cool car back then, and there's better cars now. But the great thing was, she didn't know it, but the next day, I was collecting a Golf GTI convertible. 
It was the best thing ever. So the next day, I didn't tell her. Next day, I arranged to pick her up, and it was sunny. <laughs> so I've got the roof down, and I have strutted up to collect her in my new Golf GTI convertible, her favourite car. I was the man. In fact, we were rummaging through some old photos last night, just of old holidays and whatnot, and it's so funny. Because you, you, you think you're still young, don't you, until you look at photos that are 20 years old. And uh, we stumbled across this photo. I don't know, Andy, did you manage to grab it? Here is me with my Paul Gascoigne haircut. Would you join a church pastored by this man? In my Golf GTI convertible, here I am in the passenger seat. I was letting my brother Mickey have a, have a drive in it. He was quite pleased, as you can see by his face. But I rolled up to pick Sarah up in this car, and she was like, oh, I'm in love with you. I was like, yes, you are. But we went on this journey together, and we pursued each other, and there was the phone calls, and there was the text. Yeah, 22 years ago, we still had text then. Phones were about this big, but we had text. And... Uh, you know, there was that, there's that moment, isn't there, where you, you hope you're going to wake up to a text from this girl because you're like, oh, my heart's going a little bit. And we were good in that period of caring for each other. The outworking of it is this, that we grew in love. And I, I use that on purpose because the term we tend to use is we fall in love. And do we really fall? Or does something develop on the inside that gets bigger? And so we grew in love, our personalities clicked, our interests clicked, we liked being together, it was good. Something was developing on the inside, which turned from me fancying her and her fancying me into we loved each other. Something grew. Who knows? Love's a game changer. Love, change, love changes everything. <laughs> and that's why I'm not in the band. You see, your thought processes change. Your decision-making changes. How you spend your time changes. How you spend your money changes. How you want to use your energy changes. Everything changes. It goes way beyond fancying someone into something much deeper that's going on on the inside of you that changes you. It's not... I like her a lot. It's love. It's something going on in the inside. Who knows this? When you grow in love together, you don't start making a bunch of rules. Because a changed heart changes your attitudes. A changed heart changes how you feel about a whole bunch of stuff. Changed hearts change a whole lot more about how you're going to behave than any rule ever would. And if you're in a relationship based around rules, reevaluate your relationship right now. I becomes we. It just something shifts. The other person's feelings matter to you. If the other person's hurt, you're hurt. If the other person's happy, you're happy. Something is going on on the inside of you that you almost can't put your finger on it, but it's this thing we call love. You see, parents can relate to this stuff. Woe to anyone who harms your kids. Because there's something on the inside of you that is going to rise up and protect them. And that thing is love. Because you're saying to yourself, I care about that person deeply, that it moves me. I didn't have to create a rule that says I must love my kids. My heart changed. And it caused me to love my kids. Who knows that grandparents can relate to this stuff? 
Now, I'm not yet a grandparent. I'm sure I will be one day. But grandparent loves another level, I think. You know, we've got, we're very blessed on both sides of our families that we have grandparents that live in Colchester and are very willing to be hands-on and get involved. We're blessed. Our children are blessed. But hands up if you're a grandparent who's ever had the sleepover with the grandchildren. There's a few. It's funny because your energy in your 60s, 70s, and 80s isn't what it was in your 20s and 30s. But you, you, there's something in your heart which is love that says, I want to spend time with these grandchildren. I love them. I want to make them smile. So you invite them for the sleepover. And then you load them up on sweets, grandparents' privilege, and they don't want to go to sleep. And so you're up half the night. And many times that we've been around to my mum and dad's and picked up the children and they're both like, you know, mum's hair's over here. Dad's makeup's over here. And uh, we're like, did you have a good time? They went, yeah, I loved it. And they did love it. But they're shattered. And it takes them three days to recover. But you know what? In two months' time, they'll say they'll do it again. Why? Because something changes on the inside that stops you worrying about, I'm going to be shattered. I care more about the relationship. Love changes everything. Love makes you do stupid stuff. But it changes something on the inside. Love is deep. Anyone into that program, DIY SOS? I love that. I think the reason that is so successful is because there's something in each of us that loves to see someone being blessed. Someone who's struggling along and can't change their world and has probably gone through a difficult thing. And yet people, because of love, change something. I mean, who takes a week off work and gives their skills free of charge? Unless there's something on the inside going on. Love shifts it. And we love to watch it because we can relate to it. Why? Because there's a deposit of love in everyone. God made it that way. And love is so, so important. Seeing people who are totally in love is really inspiring, isn't it? Is that, oh, why, are, why are romantic novels so huge? Why is, you know, there's loads of films like, who's seen the film The Holiday? One of our favourites. If you haven't seen The Holiday, go and watch The Holiday. But that's a great film. And there's just a basic bunch of love stories. But when you're seeing people's hearts moved, it's inspiring and it's good. And it interests me that love's such a big deal for us because of this. God is love. And when you look at it from that way, that makes God a big deal to everyone. They might not use language like that. They might not have decided in their head that's what it is. But the reality is God is love. It's not what he's good at. It's who he is. And so therefore, when you're in love with somebody, there's something that God put in you that is getting stirred up. And it changes stuff. You don't need a rule. I don't need a rule to get up and make my wife a breakfast in the morning. I don't need a rule to tidy the house. I don't need a rule to do something kind. Something on the inside of me compels me to do stuff, and it's love. And yet God is love. One of the names that you'll find for God is El Shaddai. And it means all-sufficient one. And it's kind of a weird thing because what it really means is God is complete all by himself. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need anyone. He is complete. He doesn't need our stuff. He doesn't need our things. He doesn't need our money. He doesn't need our praise. He is complete all by himself. He is El Shaddai. But he has a dilemma because he is love. And love by its very nature has to be expressed. And so he created humanity so that he could express himself. So he expresses himself as love to people. Not because he needs to, 
because he's El Shaddai. But because he's love, and love by its very nature has to get outside of itself. And so here we are, created by love. And I love this, love loves you. Can you see, it's just, I hope this is just doing something, it's gentle, but it's doing something on the inside of you because you have the ability to be outrageously good at love because you serve and invite the God of love into your heart. He does that at another level. You're his joy. You know, when he created you, it wasn't because he wanted anything from you. It's because he wanted to express who he is to you. So you're his joy. He looks down from heaven. I'm sure so many people on this planet think God is looking down from heaven going, you're bad, you're awful, you've done that. He said, no, no, God's love. That's not love. God's looking at you going, you're amazing. All right, I don't like some of the things you do sometimes, but I've put a deposit in you, and that's amazing. And one day I'm going to see it come out of you because I love you. It's, the Bible says you're the apple of his eye. He looks at you and goes, you're flipping awesome. It says, doesn't it, in Psalm 139, he molded you and made you in the womb with reverence. He took time over you. Why? Because he's love. And he wants to express himself to you, in you, and through you. So he made you awesome. Have a look at the person next to you. Isn't that awesome? God made that. We all look different. We're all different heights, shapes, and sizes. We've all got different accents and all kind of stuff going on. But God made that, and we get in a room together, and it's epic. Have a look at this from 1 John 4, verses 8 through 10. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You see, here's the thing. Sometimes I feel like we think we've got to do something to get to God. But God made his mind up on you. Do you know what I said about something changes on the inside, which changes your thought process? Well, God is love. So when he created you, he'd already made his mind up about you. And it doesn't matter what you think of God. He's decided what he thinks of you. And he demonstrated it in Jesus. Since the garden, there was this chasm between God and man. And that wasn't good. And God, being love, couldn't allow that to be the final word. So what did he do? He agreed with himself, come on, Jesus, you're going in. And why did Jesus go in? Motivated by love. He says, I've got to have relate. I've got to express myself. It's who I am. I'm not letting this sin have the final word, so I'm stepping in. And John 3.16, the most famous verse in the Bible, says, God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life and not perish. But I love John 3.17, which says this, he didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. Everyone's getting hung up that God's up there going, me, 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 and he's just not. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you, he loves you, because he's love. And so when it talks about Jesus coming in to save you, it's a whole big area that talks about. He is saving us from anything evil that was still from your life. You know, there are people in this room that are suffering lack right now. Would Jesus come to defeat lack? There are people in this room who have depression, but Jesus came to defeat depression. There are people all over the planet who are struggling in one way or another. But Jesus came to save us from that. 
because he's love and he has to express himself. And it's deep. But he made his mind up because he loves you. Someone in love with Jesus doesn't follow a bunch of rules. It's just one of those weird misconceptions that I think even the church still has today. It's about a change of heart. When you meet Jesus, you don't go, okay, I've got this list to follow now. No, 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 no. You have this heart interaction with Jesus and it changes how you see stuff. So now I want to live differently. You see, in the same way with me and Sarah, I don't go out chasing other girls anymore because I want to be with Sarah. And so when I meet Jesus, I don't go out chasing things that I think are going to offend or hurt Jesus because I love him. So it's not that I'm following a bunch of rules. It's that my heart has changed. And it causes me to be in a better place. And he loves it. You see, it causes a laid down life. It's suddenly, when you, when you fall in love with someone, it's no longer about you. Because all up till then, it's just all about you. But when you fall in love with Jesus, it causes you to say, it's not about me anymore. I'm laying down my life and my privileges and my selfishness because I want to reflect you to the world. Jesus demonstrated it. John 15, 13. This is just awesome. Greater love has no one than this, to lay his life down for his friends. That is, according to the word, the biggest example of love is when you stop making it about you Make it about someone else. And God loves it. And it's simple. And I think we probably know this stuff. But could we let it stir up? What if we were totally in love? What would your life look like then? What would God's church look like then? How would your family look like then? You see, a relationship with Jesus might start out like this. This looks good. Well, I quite like some of these concepts. I agree with them. I agree with this stuff. But it leads towards maturity. And the maturity in that process says, I love you, Jesus, totally, and I trust you with my life. You see, it can't just keep staying at this place where I like this stuff, I agree with this stuff, that's good. It has to progress for love to grow in you to say, now I'm laying down my life. And God just loves that. He loves that. When you start looking at the things that Jesus stood for, the things he said, All you can do is go, wow, this is almighty God. And he said things like this. I came for you that you'd have the best life. Jesus said that, John 10.10. That's love. You know, he said, come to me if you're weary and I'll give you rest. That's love. I love one of the concepts that I'll never leave you or forsake you. That's love. You know, I love it. You know, where it says, when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll be there with you. That's love. When you're in that horrible, deep moment, and we all have them, love says, I'm going to be there with you. Love doesn't say, you're never going to end up there. But he does say, when you're there, I'm going to be there too. And he does say this, keep walking and you'll come out the other side. You don't live in the valley. You walk through the valley. But in the valley, love is with you. That's just awesome. I feel challenged that I want to be the kind of guy who sees people in the valley and walks through with them. Because that represents Jesus. And you know what? That costs something. When you have to give of yourself, it stops being about you. This is what love says. Come to me. You are welcome. Follow me. I include you. These were Jesus' words. And I love it that ultimately Jesus demonstrated what love really is. And he actually laid his life down. Not for him, but for you. He's El Shaddai. 
He doesn't need me or you. He's complete all by himself. But love expresses itself by saying, I'm making it about you. And then he gives you this opportunity. He loves you so much that he's never going to force it on you. He says, I'll give you an opportunity. You can come and be in relationship with me or not. And I'll love you either way. But when you're in relationship with me, we can partner in this life together and I'll take you somewhere new. We talked about a mantle earlier in the service. You know, I look back on some of my own stories and I've got so many different things I've been through and I know, I know, I know and I've you know, laid my life down to, to lead a church. I know Jesus has always been with me. I, before I ever met Sarah, I was with a, uh, a girl for six and a half years from the age of 18 and I thought I was going to marry her. We'd, we'd got engaged, we'd bought a house, we'd done all this stuff and in the end we separated. And it's easy to say now. But right then, when you're 24 years old and you're just separated from a girl you've been with all your adult life, it was horrible. But I know, I know, I know, in those dark moments, Jesus was with me. And I kept my head high. And I pressed in. And then he brought the real one. And it was always better. Always better. You know, I went to a camp at age 15 and they were talking about healing. And I didn't really know much about healing, but I know this. I know Jesus heals. And I believed it. And this lad that I knew, um, when he was seven years old, he had a fork thrown in his eye by his brother, just messing about in the kitchen. He went in his eye and he's blinded in one eye. Wasn't born that way. And he came to me and I was 15 years old. He said, Barry, will you pray for me? And I didn't know what I was doing, but I believed it. And I reached out and I put my hand on his head and said, in Jesus' name, I open. I tell you the truth, it opened. Because that's my Jesus. And that's what love does. It shifts something. And even on the journey as a church, you know, here we are. I think God's doing an amazing thing in and through us. We couldn't do this on our own because God is with us. Love is with us. And he's stirring something in us so we can go beyond ourselves with laid down lives into something he's always had for us. Some of you might know Sarah quite well, and Sarah doesn't like surprises. It's actually quite tough when you want to be the surprising husband. And, um, but she doesn't mind surprises if I get it spot on. And the best surprise would have been a couple. I bought a pair of shoes once she wasn't expecting. For Who knows the best presents are when it's not a birthday or Christmas. It's just because just you love them. No other reason. Men, make a note. No other reason. Just get them a gift. And no reason at all. It will be the best night of your life. But I bought these expensive shoes that I knew she wanted. And... Uh, it was brilliant, and I got it right, and I, I nailed it. But the best one I ever did was on our 10th wedding anniversary when I researched, bought, paid for, and, and got us a holiday to New York, which is one of Sarah's places she wanted to go. And we were out um, in Prezzo in Colchester, just in town here, and um, we were halfway through the meal, and I just got the tickets out. didn't say anything. I just slid the tickets across the table because I was that cool. And she opened up the tickets, and within a few seconds, it kind of dawned on her what they were and what it was about. She just went, ah! Uh, you know, the entire restaurant all went silent and wondered what on earth was going on. I think they thought I'd proposed, and they were bringing up cakes and stuff. And, um, but I got it right. And she loved it, and we had the best ever time. Now, bearing that in mind, I want you to look at this verse that you'll all be familiar with, Jeremiah 29, 11. It says this, For I, God, love, know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Here's what I want to say about that. This is a classic go-to verse. 
you know, most Christian people will know this verse, often taken out of context, but it's a go-to verse, isn't it? When you're in a down moment, you go, oh, I know, but God's got good plans for me, and he has. But here's the thing. If you were totally in love with God, and you totally trusted him with your life, you'd be prepared to wait for the plans because you'd know how good they'd be. Now, Sarah didn't know that trip was coming, but when she got the trip, she was blown away because I loved her. It was love that motivated me. How much more can the God of heaven, who is love, do for you if you trust him with your life? You see, we love the verse, but we don't love the verse enough to wait for his timing. And when you wait for his timing, suddenly love comes through and says, it was worth the wait, wasn't it? And I encourage you, if you're someone here today waiting for something, if you're someone here today looking, hoping for something more, trust him with your life because he is love. He's not good at doing love. He is love. And the plans he has for you will be worth the wait. So honor him because it's worth it. In fact, turn to two people and go, honor him. Sarah and I don't argue very much. In fact, very little, to be fair. But who knows, when you do a few things wrong, you say you forgive each other, but you still remember it. And when the next little Barney comes up, all of it comes out again. Oh, but you remember when you did that and you said that? I was like, that was ages ago. Yeah, but I remembered. You haven't changed at all. It all comes trotting out in that one bust up we've had in 15 years. She's remembered the stuff. God doesn't. Do you know God doesn't remember your stuff? Hebrews 8 verse 12 says this, get this in your heart people, for I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. That's in God's word. There are other concepts like I'll put your sins as far as the east is from the west and it's a continual moving thing. That means your sin, the things you do wrong, say wrong, think wrong, stuff up, we all do it, they go east. And you walk with Jesus and go west. And you keep going west and they keep going east and you never meet each other. In other words, he forgets. I'm absolutely sure there, is a, there are millions of people on this planet fearing judgment day. That they're going to go to God with all the things they've done wrong. And they're like, oh no, I've had an absolute howl. I wish I'd sorted my life out sooner. And, oh no, he's going to absolutely wallop me here. I'm gone destined to hell. But God says, I'm not going to remember it. Because of Jesus. You see, Jesus came and lived the perfect life which honored his father. And he offered us a swap. And for anyone who accepted Jesus, they accepted his blood which covers you. And when you stand before the father, he looks through the blood and he says, I'll never remember. That's freeing. That's love. It's not, I fancy you or quite like the look of you. It's deep. And it changes how you think and how you see things. And when God looks at you, he's in love. He's not going to remember the stuff you've done. So come and give you a word of advice. Stop beating yourself up for the things you've done. God don't even know. I've got this thing, you know. Who's got that one thing? Come on, it's a little bit of honesty. It's a, it's a smaller crowd today. There's a little bit of honesty. Who's got that thing that you do? Don't, I'm not going to ask anyone to say what it is. Who's got that thing they do? And then you, you've done that thing, said that thing, thought that thing. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Sorry, God. Sorry, God. It's going to be better. And the next day... Do it again. And then you go, oh, idiot. Sorry, God, for doing it again. That word. Sorry, Lord, I did it again. 
couple of weeks later, I've been really good at it. Sorry, Lord, for doing it again. I think God gets confused with the word again. It's like, what are you talking about? Because I forgot the last time and the time before that. And the only person remembering it is you. So stop beating yourself up from it. But that doesn't mean live in that place where it's okay. That means let your heart be changed, that God's forgetting it. And so I need to forget that activity and move on. Grace is actually the the freedom to move on and not be held there. Grace isn't the freedom to keep doing it. But love covers it all somewhere. And so on that judgment day, when you do stand before God, and you will, walk up boldly. Because I think he's going to go, hey, my son, my daughter, wasn't it epic? Well done. Here's your crowns. You know, serving Jesus is not about forgiveness of sins. It's about crowns in heaven. And I just know I want to do my very best to live a laid down life so at the end of it all he goes, Barry, here's your crowns and I'm going to go. Because he loves me. There's no rules, but a change of heart changes everything. I just think there's people, even in this room, where you've checked Jesus out and you've liked what you've seen. You've stood in his presence and it's moved you. You've looked around and you've seen other people's lives changing and it's like, wow, this is really good. But it has to come a point where you say, Jesus, I invite you in. And I mean it. I'm not playing with it. I'm saying this is a heart interaction between something is going on the inside of me and I'm not fighting it anymore. I'm going with you. And it's a laid down life and it leads to great things. Not a bunch of rules, just a heart change. And it leads to this kind of attitude in Matthew 6.33, another famous passage. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. At the beginning of that, it's talking about the kind of stuff you're going to need, clothes and money and health and all those kind of things. But what God's saying is, if you'll seek first, because of your heart, if you'll seek first the things that are important to me, and the things that are important in his kingdom are generosity, love, is kindness, is forgiveness, is acceptance. If you'll seek those things first, everything you need because I'm love, I'll make sure you've got them. It's such an easy way to live, but we complicate it. You know, I, if you need to pay a bill, if you've got a health report hanging over you, I know this, seek first the kingdom. Because God says, who is love and cannot lie, I'll make sure you get what you need. It's a kingdom attitude that comes out of a heart interaction of love. It's not a rule. It's something going on in your heart that changes your life. I just love the way God's saying, you know, just do these great things and then enjoy yourself because I've got the rest. And yet we struggle on sometimes, don't we? Final verse I want to just share with you, and it's Micah 6, 8. And it's the theme verse we have in our Hope Ministries corner. And check it out. Um, but let's read it. It says this. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. It's so simple, this Christian walk. We can all do that. But it's to do with something going on in here. And the reason we, we wrestled through and said that should be our theme verse is because we want justice in this world. And so when we see young people being trafficked and sexually abused, that's not on. And so what we do is we get something in our hearts stirred up and that something is love. And it says, not on my watch. Because I love these people. I might never meet them, but they're people and they don't deserve it. It's acting justly. 
So when we take an offering, when we offer you the opportunity for you to give money, when we ask you to pray, you're walking humbly with God saying, thank you for the life you've given me, but I'm going to fight for those people because you fight for those people and it's love. And you start walking humbly through life. You know, one of the big things in our planet is pride. Everyone thinks they're better than they really are. But God says, just keep it simple. I love you just as you are. I created you in the womb with your skills, with your body, with the things you love to do. Be you. Just be humble with that because you're awesome and I love you. You don't have to be anyone else. Do you know what? We aren't a Sunday meeting here. We're a gang of people who've got hearts of love for the Father, stirring each other up to do our very best to be a little bit more like Jesus. Could we love a little deeper? Could we love a little more? Could we challenge each other on that journey? What would a church look like if we were totally in love? Not believing in Jesus, in love with Jesus. Because something goes on here that says, wow, you came from the luxury of heaven. El Shaddai, complete in yourself. You didn't need this. But something in your heart stirred for me. And you gave up that to come down and be abused, mocked, whipped, stabbed, hung on a cross just to say I love you. That moves me. And I want to honor that something goes on here which isn't about liking what I see it's about a choice that says I love you and I'm going to live for you and I'm going to trust you with everything because I know the plans you have for me are good but it starts somewhere here would you mind standing up I think we should pray I just want to just invite you just to close your eyes if you're willing. It's just helpful in these moments just to have a bit of privacy. Because I think God's up to something this morning. I hope you're feeling stirred from the inside. I don't know where you stand in your faith journey. But I can promise you this. Jesus is worth it. Father God, I just want to lift up every amazing person here in this room. Each of them crafted in the womb. We're your treasure. Help us to get a fresh revelation of who you are. How you feel about us. A fresh revelation of the potential in our lives. fresh revelation of how forgiven we are and the freedom we have. Just with every eye closed, I want to give a, a shout out this morning. Is today the day you say, Jesus, I want to go a bit deeper with you you've spoken to me this morning you've stirred something in my heart this morning and 
I want to learn to trust you at a whole nother level. I feel like that love in me is growing. If that's you today, I want to pray with you. So give me a wave. Bless you there. So good. Bless you there at the back. Bless you. Thank you, Jesus. This isn't about a salvation call, this prayer. This is about someone saying, I want to go further with you. I want my heart to expand. I want to be more devoted to you. If that's you, give me a wave. I know there's more. Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Lots of people. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you've seen hearts, you've seen hands, you've seen thought processes. But this morning as a church, we come before you and we bow before you and say thank you that you first loved us. And this morning, we say we want to go deeper. This morning we say thank you for stirring my heart and I open my heart up to you all again and trust you a bit more. Let me take a step closer to you this morning. Lord, we're sorry for holding ourselves back. And we get our eyes off of ourselves and fully onto you because you are love and we trust you to lead us forward now. Take us somewhere new. Let us really nail Micah 6, 8, Lord God, that we would be humble, but we would seek justice, and we would be full of mercy, because that's love. Thank you for your gentle presence this morning, Lord God. It's been amazing to stand together and get our eyes fully on you. Just one more prayer before we worship. Is there anyone here today who feels like they're so distant from Jesus, maybe never really known him, and today's the day you want to say, I want to be right with you, Jesus. Let's get this thing right. I'm inviting you into the middle of it all. Always want to give that opportunity. Is that you today? Give me a wave because we're going to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. No, everyone's good, but I'll always give that opportunity. I'm just going to ask the band just to lead us in there. Maybe a worshipful song. I feel like today, the way it's gone, it isn't about jumping around. It's about connecting our hearts. So in this worship song, just apply what we've been talking about. Just allow your heart to go a bit deeper with him. And let him do his business in you. Because it will take you somewhere good.